More than 1 million acres have burned as wildfires continue to ravage the Texas Panhandle. How Central Texas firefighters are helping fight the largest blaze in state history. Our warm weekend rolls on. We'll show you the return of multiple rain chances ahead and how much this could all add up to. And a new EMS station in southeast Austin opened this weekend. How well the city is doing when it comes to response times. After almost four full days of fighting the Smokehouse Creek Fire, firefighters are starting to get a handle on things. Thanks for joining us. I'm Nabil Ramadna. That fire has burned across more than one million acres across the Texas Panhandle, making it not only the largest fire in state history, but one of the largest in U.S. history. Some fire departments from Central Texas have sent firefighters and trucks to help combat the blaze. So far, two people have died, and officials say the fire is 15% contained. However, that fire only burning in the hand or that fire is in the panhandle, but it's not the only one in Moore County just south of the Oklahoma border. The Windy Deuce fire is still active. That fire has burned 142,000 acres and is 60% contained. First warning weather with meteorologist Nick Bannon. Yes, beautiful weather out there locally here from our Fredericksburg camera at the Barrens Creek Vineyards. A lovely evening. People out there uh, enjoying the wine there by the uh, pond. And we've got mostly clear skies with just some high thin clouds around. Temperatures upper 70s to low 80s. We made it to 83 in Austin here today. And we're still between about 5 to almost 15 degrees warmer than we were 24 hours ago. And remember, yesterday was already much warmer than the day before. Mostly clear skies for now, but watch out overnight into tomorrow morning. There's seven o'clock. Some low clouds, some areas of fog and lower visibility will likely start your day. It's certainly going to be a grayer beginning to the day tomorrow than what we have today, but that fog should lift by mid to late morning. This evening, though, mainly clear and pleasant. 72, mostly clear at 7, 68 at 9. Some low clouds start to build at 11 as we drop to 65. Coming up in first warning weather, We'll show you those extra clouds to start your Sunday. Multiple rain chances ahead, and we'll be highlighting Thursday and watching it closely as our best chance of rain. Thank you, Nick. According to a U.S. senior administration official, Israel has essentially accepted the proposed framework of a Gaza ceasefire. However, the official noted that the framework relies on Hamas agreeing to release sick, elderly, and women hostages. The official said Israelis have more or less accepted the proposed deal, which will include a six-week ceasefire. The current deal is more complicated than the previous ceasefire due to its length, but the framework has the potential to extend from there according to the official. Now, the United States, the United Nations, the World Health Organization, and UNICEF all delivered aid over the last two days. According to officials in Gaza, over 30,000 people have died there so far. And we're waiting to hear if the Drug Enforcement Administration will take up the Elgin Police Department's request to help investigate what they call ongoing crime in their community connected to one specific address. Elgin PD says it involves everything from murder to drug sales and drug trafficking, all from one home. Elgin PD arrested four people after an early morning raid on drug-related charges. Angela Alvarado, Ivan Cook, Anthony Joyner, and Jamal Bradley, all 
all face felony charges for either delivery of a controlled substance or possession of a controlled substance. The home in Elgin police have singled out is on the 800 block of MLK Boulevard near US 290 and SH 95. Now, during a raid Friday, detectives seized multiple firearms, various drugs, money and electronics. This comes after a year of surveillance and other arrests. To clarify our reporting from last night, the four people arrested on Friday only faced the drug related charges, but police report the home where the four suspects were taken into custody was the site of a double homicide in March of last year. Police add the home was also been the site of multiple reported assaults and gunshots. That's why Elgin PD wants help from the feds. They're also asking anyone with additional information to reach out. Travis County just added a new joint fire and EMS station in southeast Austin. The new station, which is near East Slaughter Lane near the Goodnight Ranch neighborhood, will help reduce response times for people living in the area. In 2018, the Austin Fire Department released a study detailing multiple areas the city was failing to respond to under eight minutes. These areas had experienced significant development and increased population. Goodnight Ranch was one of the areas identified. We know that the city of Austin continues to grow as well as our outlying sub suburbs. And so the city of Austin with their foresight and also looking at areas that are underserved for public safety, be it EMS or fire, created a plan that would um, develop five new stations um, in six years. And so this is one of those stations to help serve the city of Austin. Currently, Austin Travis County EMS has four stations running out of apartment complexes with one in Bee Cave, one in Manor, and two in Lakeway. ATC EMS says they are in the process of renovating and expanding two existing standalone EMS stations to add additional capacity. And speaking of AFD, firefighters responded to what they describe as a large fire in the woods in South Austin that was just off South Lamar Boulevard. This was in the Barton Creek Greenbelt. They tweeted that they put the fire out, but it was in a difficult spot to reach. AFD confirmed this fire was in an abandoned homeless camp. There you can see some of the footage that AFD sent out showing firefighters in that fire. The presidential race isn't the only election set to shape the nation's future this year. What side of the aisle is projected to win the upcoming Senate race and how it will impact you? That's coming up after the break. Welcome back. Interstate 80 through the Sierra Nevada mountains in California still closed following the biggest snowstorm of the season there. The California Highway Patrol shut down 100 miles of roadway Friday due to high winds and low visibility and, of course, heavy snow. Troopers responded to dozens of collisions and spinouts on the freeway, as well as cars sliding into snowbanks and getting stuck on the side of the road. The storm has produced 190 mile per hour wind gusts in some spots, as well as dumping over three feet of snow on the roadway there so far. CHP says they are unsure when Interstate 80 will reopen, but some cars there being abandoned. And it is still snowing in the Sierra. Great for skiing, but not good for avalanche potential, at least for the time being. More beneficial rain uh, for the valley and closer to the coast. For us here in Texas, a lovely day. We had 80s, 83 in Austin, just a few degrees shy of the record high today. The story will transition from the warmth to the rain will time out multiple opportunities for some beneficial raindrops in first warning weather. 
The 2024 presidential election is the big political race this year, but it's not the only one. There's also a race to see which side of the aisle will end up in charge of the U.S. Senate. Here's NBC's Noah Pransky with how that race will impact you. The race for the White House always gets the top headlines, but which party will control the Senate next year? And it's wide open, maybe just as consequential to the laws we live by, to the debt we'll take on, and to whether we invest as a country in things like green energy, a border wall, or paid family leave. Let me explain why, and the reason why the math is so significantly tilted in one party's favor this year. See, the Senate is made up of 100 members, currently 49 Republicans, 48 Democrats, and three independents who usually vote with Democrats. With 51 votes, or 50 plus the tiebreaker from the vice president, you get to control everything the Senate does, and which priorities from the House and the White House that you want to block too. For example, neither President Biden's 2021 pandemic aid package nor his 2022 Inflation Reduction Act would have likely ever seen the light of day had Republicans won just one more Senate seat in 2020. Both Democratic bills passed by a single vote. But this year, Republicans can take back control by flipping just a couple of seats or by winning one and the White House tiebreaker. This is where the deck is stacked in Republicans' favor. With West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin retiring, that's likely the first seat Republicans need right there. The electoral makeup of West Virginia all but assures the outcome. In fact, the demographics suggest we already know which party will win 22 other contested seats as well. So let's instead focus on the 11 seats that will determine who controls all these important conversations the next few years. Only two of them are currently held by Republicans, Ted Cruz in Texas and Rick Scott in Florida. Congressional observers currently rank these races as not competitive at the current time, which means Democrats can't afford to lose a single one of the remaining nine seats. That includes Montana, where Donald Trump won by 16 points in 2020, Ohio, where he won by eight, and a bunch of other swing states where neither party can take any election for granted. And while Democrats have some strong incumbents this year, if Republicans flip just one of those seats or win the White House tiebreaker, it'll be the GOP that gets the gavel. So if you live in one of 2024's key Senate states, make sure your voice is heard this fall. And if you don't, maybe you know someone who does and could use a reminder about the importance of that vote. Noah Pransky, NBC. I'll tell you what, no matter who you're voting for, you're probably going to like the weather outside today. A little warmer, a little nicer. Feels like summer almost. Yeah, a little bit. A little like early summer for sure with highs up in the uh, low 80s. And we're going to be close to the 80s again tomorrow, but with more clouds around. May take a little longer to warm up. Uh, I do want to update you on the pollen and allergy situation here today because we've got a variety of pollens that may be affecting you. First of all, cedar mold and now elm in the medium category and up over yesterday mulberry is low and up over yesterday too and we've got two pages of this to update you with oak and ash are low and also trending higher than yesterday and we've got two pollen pages on kxan.com for you to stay up to date uh, with and those are working and active right now this is how it looks from our kxan studio camera the west shore home camera looking toward downtown where we've got a mostly clear sky some high thin cirrus out there making for a gorgeous look to the evening. Warm air continues to blow our direction thanks to a southerly wind. That's why temperatures were so much warmer today than yesterday. And of course, yesterday was way warmer than the day before. 70s is where we are now in Austin. There's still some 80s like in San Angelo and also in our hill country now. We'll see these numbers falling into the low 70s and upper 60s here at 8, making for a very 
pleasant evening. And we start on the warm side already tomorrow morning, 60s and 50s to begin the day, although it will be a rather cloudy start. Those clouds will mean that our afternoon highs, while they will still be warm, will not be quite as warm as they were here today. You can see some of the high clouds drifting in, but it's the low clouds that will be building in through the night. That's what will stop our temperatures from getting quite as warm. You see widespread cloudiness and some areas of fog and even drizzle around in the morning here tomorrow. By the middle of the day, good amounts of clearing, especially in the hill country. The rest of us partly sunny by noon, then a mixture of sunshine and scattered clouds during the afternoon. So it's the morning clouds mostly that will keep our temperatures from warming as much. Tomorrow evening, already starting to see some chances for light spotty showers and sprinkles, and that will give way to spotty showers to even scattered showers Monday morning. Now we had talked about the potential for some thunderstorms on Monday. We think the chances right now are low. Your better chance on Monday for rain is going to be with those uh, scattered showers in the morning, but at least some isolated storms may form Monday afternoon and evening. We think the cap is going to hold even more widespread activity uh, from developing here on Monday. That is our first opportunity for rain for the week. Looking at your forecast then tonight, mostly clear this evening, but low clouds and some drizzle late with lows of about 60. Otherwise, clouds giving way to increasing sun tomorrow and a high of 79. So just a 30% chance of rain here on Monday, mostly in the morning, but those isolated storms in the afternoon and then much more sun on Tuesday pushes us into the mid 80s. Our best chance of rain for the week doesn't come until Thursday. Pretty decent chances in fact and I've been raising our rain chances and some leftover rain into Friday morning before mostly dry weather takes over for next weekend. And the higher rain chances have also led to higher rainfall projections half an inch to an inch and a quarter now for most of us but on the lower end if not less than half an inch for the hill country. Let's hope that the hill country uh, uh, trends wetter than that. Here's a look at our first warning weather seven day forecast. You see those highest rain chances Monday, Thursday and Friday. A lot of 70s and 80s until we cool off into the 60s by next Saturday. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Texas men's basketball trying to put themselves in the best position to return to the NCAA tournament and a win against Oklahoma State today would only help. Texas also seeking to continue their recent domination of Oklahoma State, beating the Cowboys three straight meetings before today. First half, Kendall Weaver with the layup and the foul. He would make the free throw. Texas up 11, part of an 11-0 run. And then Oklahoma State cut the lead to three, but right back comes Texas. Max Aismith's three puts them up by 10. He had 15 points. Dylan DeSue with the nice... Patience and the little inside bucket would put Texas up by nine. That's the uh, what they led at halftime. And then DeSue scoring the first bucket of the second half. He led Texas with 17 points. Didn't get the foul there. They go up by 11 at that point. But Oklahoma State wouldn't die. Javon Small scores to tie the game up at 52. However, Texas responds on the very next possession. Brock Cunningham with a three-pointer to put the Longhorns up by three. Then out of a timeout, Texas converts thanks to a Tyrese Hunter. Recovery of a loose ball and a jam on the fast break. 11-0 run for Texas after Oklahoma State tied it. Then Kendall Weaver with a nice rebound dunk right there. Horns go up 16, but we're not done hearing from Weaver. Aismith to Weaver sends the Moody Center into a frenzy after that one. Another highlight for him. 16 points, career high for Weaver. Let's look at it one more time. Longhorns roll 81-65. They improved to an even 500 in conference play. 
I thought we really put everything and all our onus on our defense to really kind of change the game and, and uh, you know, got us some separation. Uh, we were able to score off our off our defense in terms of uh, being able to push the ball in transition. We're starting to starting to figure out how to how to play, um, what we have to do uh, on the defensive end of the floor in order to have success in the uh, game overall. Um, I think the last uh, three out of the last four games we've um, stepped our games game up on defense, and that's led to um, success. All right, next for Texas, a trip to Waco Monday night to take on Baylor. Baylor beat Kansas 82-74 to today. Sports continues after this break. UT women will honor two seniors before tonight's game against BYU. Here's what Vic Schaefer has to say about it. Both tremendous young ladies, tremendous competitors, wonderful families. Um, you know, it, it's just, um, it's been a real honor and a privilege to coach those two kids and um, hopeful that our our team will respond and, and play well uh, on Saturday night for them. And those two kids are Hattie Fye and Shaylee Gonzalez, Austin FC, taking on the Seattle Sounders tonight. Here's head coach Josh Wolf. In Seattle, um, there should be, I expect, some, some growth from week to week, as you said, and, and that's going to need to happen throughout the season. I think early in the season, you're still establishing who you are. You want to keep utilizing um, your, your guys and get everybody as fit as possible, but uh, the guys that we have will be prepared to go there and, and, and give the best account of themselves to put us in a position to hopefully win the game. 9.30 kick tonight. Awesome. We will see you guys coming up tonight.